Hello, I'm Jason Solomons and welcome to episode 35 of Seen Any Good Films Lately. This is the podcast that dishes out the weekly film recommendations with some of the best directors and finest performers taking us through their movie loves, past and present. They face the Seen Any Good Films Lately 10 questions, which we're now calling the Sagful 10. I did rewatch Chinatown recently and it is so damn good. My guest on this show is Oscar-winning and BAFTA-winning director Kevin MacDonald, whose new film, The Mauritanian, is up for five BAFTAs this coming weekend, April the 11th, in London, and which stars Taha Rahim, Jodie Foster and Benedict Cumberbatch in a drama about an Arab man wrongfully detained by the US government in Guantanamo prison. I'd like you to consider releasing your letters. To a newspaper? Maybe a book? People need to read your story for themselves. And it'll put pressure on the government to give us a court date. I'm ready for that. Would you like me to step outside? Keep going. You don't want to pray? Are you religious now? Why do you care? I don't. I care about you. We'll hear more about the Mauritanian and its director Kevin MacDonald will face the Sagful 10. And there's Jason's three to see right at the end of the show. But that's all after I tell you if I've seen any good films lately. Godzilla vs. Kong, it turns out, should be the year's first blockbuster, getting people in various parts of the world back into the cinemas for the very first time. Not here in the UK, yet, but that didn't stop us making it family viewing the other night. The kids were well up for it, and Judy enjoyed it, as basically two CGI monsters engage in a slugfest. You don't need me to explain any of the plot, I'm not really sure I could do that usefully anyway, because it's about what it says in the title. And we certainly get a lot of that at sea, in the middle of Hong Kong, and at the Earth's core. Yes, there's a journey to the centre of the Earth. Haven't seen one of them for ages. And where's Doug McClure when you really need him? That's what I thought. Look, Godzilla vs. Kong is not Hagler vs. Hearns, it's not Ali V. Foreman, but it's something very necessary. I could moan about the dialogue, I could moan about Rebecca Hall's mannered, rather simpery performance, and the fact that Godzilla has no personality whatsoever, and there's not enough sense of global jeopardy. I could moan about all of that, but I'm not going to, because there's no point. We watched it, we had popcorn, we sat on the sofa as a family, and for a big, dumb monster movie, it does the job, just about. And by the way, in these things, I'm always rooting for King Kong. Time now to meet director Kevin MacDonald, a perfect guest as we build up to the BAFTAs. Kevin's film, The Mauritanian, has chalked up five nominations, including for Best Film, Outstanding British Film and Best Actor for Taha Rahim, who plays Mohamedou El Salahi, 
an Arab man detained for 14 years and tortured in Guantanamo, becoming the subject of a legal battle between pro bono lawyer Nancy Hollander and Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Couch, played by Jodie Foster and Benedict Cumberbatch, respectively. It's a battle that's true and that uncovers corruption and deception and the struggle for a man's sanity and soul. The law says you get open file discovery, and I want you to have discovery. That way, when I beat you, your client will have nothing to hide behind. You sound very sure of that outcome. You haven't seen what I've seen. Let me ask you, I understand everyone has a right to defense, but doesn't it bother you at all? working for someone like this. I'm not just defending him, I'm defending the rule of law. I'm very ignatian of you. Hmm. I didn't know that they studied the Jesuits in the Marine Law School. Hmm. We'll have to fully consider a problem before we blow it up. Kevin MacDonald won an Oscar for his documentary One Day in September and Forrest Whitaker won the Best Actor Oscar for playing Idi Amin in Kevin's film The Last King of Scotland. And Kevin's also won BAFTAs for Touching the Void and his careers included docs about Bob Marley and Whitney Houston as well as features such as State of Play and the Roman centurion epic The Eagle. He's a real movie man who I just knew would be brilliant at answering the seen any good film lately questions, though I of course started by asking him about making the Mauritanian and remarking how unusual it was these days to see a grown-up thriller with big stars taking on such murky political subjects. It's been a really polarised reception to the film in a way that I hadn't expected. And I think some of the polarisation has been, some of the sort of negativity has actually been about the fact that the movie has big stars in it and that it has a sort of a, a thrillerish kind of mm. entertaining aspect to it. Because obviously we were trying to make a movie that would appeal to a, not just to the already converted, you know, not just preaching to the converted, but actually trying to reach an audience of people who, who need to understand what Guantanamo is and who need to sort of change their attitude to Muslims. Well, at first, first people, a lot of people probably didn't even know Guantanamo was still going on. Um, I say, no, well, exactly. I say a lot of people, I mean me, actually, Kevin. I well, I think, I think most people don't realise that it's still open. They don't, they don't realise that this is not a historical film. You know, its roots are historical, but he was only re released four and a half years ago. Mohamedou, and there are still 40-something prisoners there, half of whom, like him, have been cleared for release. In other words, there's been an acknowledgement to some degree by the American uh, legal system that they are innocent, and yet they haven't been released. Did you go to Guantanamo, you said? I didn't go to Guantanamo Bay, no. I would have liked to have, but you can't get access to the part of the camp, which is the part where he was. Um, you can get access to another part, which is basically like modeled on an ordinary American prison. So not that interesting. So no, I, di I didn't go. I obviously looked at all the footage there was and mm. went through with Muhammadu himself, went through all the photographs that exist on online that guards have taken. It's obviously very top secret. You're not meant to take photographs of it, but some of the guards take them on their phones and things and then they post them years later and so he went through with me and said that's the room I was in or that's what the corridor looked like or that's what and that was really the production designer and I used that as the basis for you know the design of the set. And how did you do the torture because that's I mean that's the, the money shots whatever they're they're, they're the kind of muscle in the in the movie that no yeah. one can deny and they're pretty yeah. powerful things did you know how far to go did you work with Muhammadu on, on the methods involved? He doesn't like talking about for understandable reasons he doesn't like really like talking about the detail 
detail of the torture. But mm. if you ask him very specific questions, he will he'll give you a short answer. But he does write about them in the book, in the diary that he was writing, you know, and sending out to his lawyers that's dramatized in the film. He does eventually describe what happened in the torture. And everything you see in the film is what happened to him. But obviously more, much, much more and worse happened to him. And I think the decision we made was let's go inside his head as much as possible. Let's make this about the psychological experience of being tortured. So that it all becomes quite surreal, quite sort of fever dreamish, uh, not naturalistic. Is that but what happens? I mean, I, I did wonder. I thought, oh, is that where they go with this? Yeah, if you read his book, you'll see that he talks about at certain stages, you know, he believes that his mother is in the cell with him. And then when he realizes she's not, he's incredibly upset, you know? And mm. then and then at other times the walls sort of open up and he thinks he's in his childhood bedroom. And other times he thinks he's back with his father in the desert. So all of those kind of ideas, that was from the book that we kind of took that and thought that's the way to treat this is, is as more of an internal psychological disturbance. There's a bit in the book, which I kind of wanted to use, but couldn't figure out how to do it because it's so surreally dark, is where Mohamedou is lying on the floor of his cell, sort of waiting for his torturers to come in. And he hears them talking and they're arguing about who gets to be Luke Skywalker today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, quite extraordinary stuff, really, to be tortured with and, and with Americano, isn't there? There's a, there's a film where they, they use Barney, the dinosaur, to torture people as well. I can remember the earlier... Yeah, and that's... Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's the whole sort of influence of Americana on on Guantanamo is fascinating on Mohamedou's experience, you know, so that he, he came out knowing all this American culture, you know, and loving American music, and he can sing all these country and Western songs that his Christian guards used to play for themselves to entertain themselves, and he knows all the words by heart. He's seen more movies than you and I have. Doesn't he know that, isn't it The Big Lebowski or something he manages? The Big Lebowski is his favourite movie, because that was one of the few DVDs he was given by guard. You know, most of them, most of the DVDs were sort of, you know, what a 19-year-old American soldier wants to watch, which is not necessarily that great. A lot of Dolph Ludgren films or something. But <laughs> somebody gave him The Big Lebowski and he had the DVD for that and he said he's watched it 95 times or something. He knows it word for word. And that's why at the very end of the movie we see him singing A Man in Me, which is the, the song, one of the big sort of song moments in The Big Lebowski. Absolutely. I, I loved that bit. I thought, oh, great. Good choice. Man in me will do nearly any time. Uh, Kevin, great to have you on the show, which but does mean that you're going to have to face the 10 questions. Okay. You, I, there's no one better. I started to think about what I'd seen lately. Which yeah. is, that's the first question. You must have it? seen some good films lately. Any good well, films yeah, lately? I, well... <laughs> I've been watching. I've been watching all the Oscar and BAFTA films, so I'm not going to talk about those because that's really boring. You know what I watched last night, which I've never seen. It. I'm so late to the party, but my son showed it to me because he's watched every single one. Is Anthony Bourdain's uh, travel cooking show? No, I've never uh, seen those, but I like oh, him. Brilliant! Yeah. He's so he's so charismatic and funny and brilliant, and and uh, I can see why people loved him so much. Anyway, I watched I watched three in a row last night. <laughs> I watched Croatia, Senegal, and Jamaica. It was Fantastic. Um, and then at the weekend, I watched um, I watched a Hitchcock film, which I haven't done for ages. I had this, I got this Criterion Collection DVD of Notorious, oh. which I remember as being like the most sophisticated, brilliant spy thriller. Actually, it didn't quite stand up for us, but it still has some amazing, amazing things in it. Is Ingrid that the Bergman, one that they fly down to Rio in? They fly down to Rio, yeah. And Ingrid Bergman plays this sort of, you know, drunken 
bitter daughter of a, a Nazi scientist who's a spy who who is who is uh, um, arrested at the beginning of the film and tried and you know found to be guilty of espionage and she's sort of persona non grata um, and right. she's used by American intelligence to break into a, a sort of a, a group of old Nazis who are now down in South America trying to did up some nefarious activities with uranium and uh she falls in love with Cary Grant but Cary Grant makes her go and marry the sort of head of the Nazi group oh yes in this beautiful kind of he lives in this wonderful sort of you know mansion doesn't he down there yeah yes exactly it's very Kevin McDonald all this the Nazis (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it's anyway I really I, I you know it didn't quite stand up but it's fascinating and it's of course you've got this famous shot doesn't it of this huge crane shot, which is the thing that all the cinephiles talk about, sort of coming from the balcony all the way down through this party, and then to her t- close-up of her hand, where she's clutching this key, which is the the key to the locked room that has got the got the uranium in it, and it's a, you know an amazing bravura crane shot. So yeah, no, that's that's good. And then the next the next question is, what's the what, first film I saw? What was the first film you saw? Am I doing cinema? this wrong? Should I be asking myself the questions, or are you going? Not really. I mean, I'm here. I mean, you right. could you could do it yourself, but I thought I would <laughs> pretend that we don't have a list of questions and that they're off the cuff and that you're just coming up with them, Kevin. Here, I'm giving you some notes. Um, what's the first film you saw at the cinema, Kevin McDonald? I, I remember that vividly because it was Bambi. Mm. And I was, it was in my local cinema in Scotland, this tiny town called Alexandria, which is definitely not Alexandria, Egypt. And there was still two cinemas in this small town. And I went to see Bambi on one of its many revivals and was so upset when the mother died that I was hysterical and had to be taken out of the cinema. But I still remember the pain of that moment. I think you're still searching. We're searching for those moments ever since. You know, I think it probably <laughs> marks you and that you want to do that to, to millions of people that will see your film <laughs> thereafter. Is that, are these your favourite cinemas as well? Um, I don't know if those are my favourite cinemas, but I, I did once think about making, early in my career, making a little little film about the great cinemas of Scotland, actually. And I went around a lot of the great deco palaces. And I mean, you go to really, really poor parts of Scotland and there would be these amazing architectural follies, really, you know, with beautiful gilding and and glamorous, you know, frescoes and yeah. that. they're just all over the place and you forget what a what an escape it really was in fact recently i was in los angeles and i i was doing a little filming in one of those cinemas in the in the united artists premier theater down on broadway in in downtown la which is you know, a place that nobody goes to much anymore and it's so lush so expensive seeming it's just mind-boggling it's like a, it's like a cathedral beautiful Correct. what film changed your life the film that changed my life was uh the first documentary i made which was a documentary about my grandfather emmerich pressburger the filmmaker who made films with michael powell yeah. the and death and i got into film myself because i made this doc- i wrote a book about him and and then I made a documentary about him and doing those things made me into a cinephile, made me watch all of his films, but watch all other sort of classic films from the 30s and the 40s and 50s. And that was what sort of led to me being in movies. If people haven't seen a Powell and Pressburger film, which one would you recommend that they see? Well, I, I think that, you know, my personal favourite is A Matter of Life and Death or The Life and Death of Colonel Blimp. Well, probably The Life and Death of Colonel Blimp, because it's some people have called it the British Citizen Kane. I yeah, think, you know that same thing takes you through somebody's life for forty years, but it's done more, you know, in some ways more imaginatively than Citizen Kane. Maybe not as the filmmaking, maybe isn't as bravura, but it's very entertaining. Or if you want a romantic comedy, I know where I'm going. Oh, that's a good shout. Yeah, people don't see that one enough. 
It's true. Mm. Then it's show it enough. Here is an itinerary that I had prepared at Sir Robert's desire. Would you be so good as to study it? You will see that when you arrive at Glasgow, you change to Buchanan Street Station. Uh, Mr. McAllister, a director of the Bellinger Metalworks, will meet you on your arrival at the Central. You arrive at Oban in Argyleshire at 11.30. Just leaving, sir. Oh, almost, Mr. Excuse me. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye, Hunter. Daddy, darling. Send me a wire. I'll be back in a week. Hunter will give you the address. Goodbye, my darling. God bless you. Goodbye, Hunter. Goodbye, miss. My very best wishes for your future happiness. And don't forget to write. And darling, don't worry about me. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. And I know who's going with me. I know who I love. But the dear knows who I'm loving. What uh, film did you watch as an inspiration to make The Mauritanian? Battle of Algiers, mm. All the President's Men. Yes, I'm feeling that conspiracy stuff. Yeah, and uh, obviously I watched Zero Dark Thirty, which although what I said before, obviously about the way that shows the torture, but I think it's a brilliantly made film. I think it's a great it film, great, yeah, I loved great, it. Great sequences in it, but, it, but, it, but you know, once you've immersed yourself in this world, watching it is a bit queasy. I realise that now you say it with hindsight, but watching it, I was caught, caught up with yeah. the bravura of it. Yeah, absolutely. What film poster did you have on the wall as a teenager? I don't think I had any any film. I don't think people did have them as a, maybe maybe. I mean, I'm probably a bit older than you, but I get. I'm trying to remember. People had Scarface on them. Yeah, always Apocalypse Now. <laughs> and maybe they had Apocalypse Now. Yeah, but it was mostly. I mostly had their music posters. You know, yeah. blonde. <laughs> what about now? Have you got any film? You got any film posters in the wall now? I well behind me now. I've got three blow up posters i don't know if you can see them. i can see blow up yeah i can see it there yeah, yeah. i've got all three colors very rare from the Itali- original italian release beautiful so i've spent on anything is probably uh, the, a the, triptych the, of antonio posters of, yeah so you've got red green and yellow different colorways it's a little repetitive but they're nice but i've got lots of film posters but i tend to just not necessarily get the ones for the films i like but just the design i like you know? yeah no it's a good idea well that's beautiful that one as well uh, that you've got there that little oh, nice one if you can travel back in time to any film set, Kevin McDonald. Which one would you visit? Uh, I think I, I, I thought about this. I thought Chinatown, mm. and I also thought Napoleon by Abel Gantz, just to see the huge scale of it. That silent film. But I figured out in the end, actually, it'd be two thousand and one because I read that amazing book. I think it's my Michael Benson, maybe I'm not. I can't remember yes, his name it is. Either, which was about the making of two thousand one, which is a great book, and um, just the, the 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 incredible effort and detail and try again and fail and try again and fail the things that they did on that i just it's just it's totally inspiring so, yeah, it'd be yeah amazing that. to be on a kubrick set because you you might get the day where he goes for like 50 takes and you'll be like oh god i should have come for that. i did once spend a day on a set of david fincher which was a bit like that where it was a scene in benjamin button where brad pitt and kate lunchette have to come in the door and put some bags down and shout mama or something like that and it was like the simplest scene and i think he i think he did it 86 times and i was like what is he seeing? I don't understand. What is he seeing again again? Anyway, that was not so interesting. That's a good, they're very good stories though, nevertheless. Have you ever fallen in love at the movies? All the time, isn't that the point of going to the Yes, movies? I agree. I fall in love constantly. Not, your film is one of the rare ones which I didn't do this <laughs> No, I mean, I think it's, but it's often very inappropriate to talk, I mean, you know, because, I mean, you know, when you're 10 years old, you're in love with Jodie Foster and Bugsy Malone. Yes. And then when I was, 
18, I fell in love with Beatrice Dahl and Betty Blue, which is, you know... Another poster of, people often had on the... Another world. poster everyone had, yeah. I mean, it's sort of like you you understand, if you are if you fall in love at the cinema, you understand Vertigo, don't you? Um, you understand, you know, that whole thing of sort of seeing somebody and wanting to turn somebody else into them and, you know, that, what the director does, um, turning turning their, 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 their star, their female star, if they're, if they're heterosexual male into sort of their perfect ideal of beauty and all of that. Yeah. So yes, yeah, all the time. Brilliant. That's um, you're so rare. People actually answer that because I do it, and I it makes me feel like I'm like, like you know, people say, "Oh, a bit weird, a bit creepy, a bit perfect." Like, that's, that's why I go <laughs> to the cinema. What about your favourite screen hero or screen villain? Sometimes they're the same. I, I guess when I was a kid, I would have to say Alec Guinness in. Uh, Star Wars, you know, just because, as with everybody else, you know, that was when I was 12 or something, queuing up in Glasgow, the Socky Hall Street, yeah. to go and see. I mean, I remember <laughs> the queue literally went round the block. I mean, literally, it went down Socky Hall Street, up the side street, round the corner, and everyone was queuing to get in. And uh, the excitement of that, I know he's not really the hero of it, but he was the one I was always attracted to. I always thought Luke was a bit bland. Well, then he ended up being Scottish, after all, when he was yes. Ewan McGregor. Yes, it's true. There you go. They, 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 they responded. The Scots knew instinctively. What classic film do you wish you directed? Or that you could then remake if you wanted to, but you, you might not dream oh, of doing God, that. Oh, God, that's a really hard question. But I think I did rewatch uh, Chinatown recently, and it is so damn good. You know, it really is so damn good. You know, certain films, it's funny how films age. You know, some films that you thought were great, you look at them 10 years later, it's like, well, it's not really. And mm-hmm. then other ones you look and you didn't make anything of them and critics or whoever didn't make anything. And then actually you think, wow. But that is one that, you know, it really is true that it's brilliant. Last question, your favorite film location. My favorite film location, that is really, really, that's really hard. For my own film, I really loved filming in the Parliament in Uganda when we did Last King of Scotland, and they let us actually film in the Parliament building, which yes. is the coolest modernist building. And we had the run of the place, and all the MPs were really annoyed. Um, and at that time, Museveni, who was the president of Uganda, was like this great hero of the Western world, and he got rid of the oppressive regimes before him, Abote and, and um, Amin and whatever. But now, of course, he is the oppressor. He's still in power 15 years later. He's been in power for 25 years or something or longer. And he's you know, turned into another one of those oppressive dictators. But that was an incredible location. I may wear the uniform of a general, but Queen Yemoyo Wangu in my heart, I am a simple man like you. I know who you are and everything that you are. I am you. Ask my soldiers. All my life, I never eat a food until my soldiers have eaten first. It will be like this in Uganda now. Together, we will make this country better. Wonderful stuff from Kevin McDonald. And the Seen Any Good Films Lately interview is supported by our friends at Strike, the distilled drink with all the spirit, none of the alcohol, and now available in cans. 
I've got the not rum and cola right here, perfectly mixed and chilled and ready to pour and ready to drink while watching the upcoming awards nights. You can order six packs or 12 packs or mix packs with the not gin and tonic. Uh, and if you go to strike.com, that's S-T-R-Y-Y-K, enter the voucher code Jason40 to get 40% off for seen any good films lately, listeners. Cheers, Strike. Good luck to all the nominees at the BAFTAs this weekend. I've got particular soft spots, I've got to say, for all of those who we've had on the show over the year, proving we know how to pick them on seen any good films lately. I think Henry did a really good job of kind of putting it in your face how easy it could be for it to be your kid, anyone's kid. The, the heartbeat and the vulnerability of the piece was so dependent on Malcolm's like interior world and, you know, and who he was as a father and as a husband was something that I was like, we got, we have to really like try and tap into like you know, the hero in private. It feels like an important moment to shine a light on young people generally. I feel like they've had such a bad time. They're coming into this really difficult world and we need to pay attention to them. We need to celebrate them. They actually sit around looking for ways to build each other up and to celebrate and to laugh and to cause mischief in the most innocent and joyful way. You know, these characters in this town, they're so broken. There's cracks yeah. and when there's cracks, that's yeah. where the love kind of comes out. I'd watched lots of films of a certain type that explore that and just Craig's is very different, so it kind of just broadened my mind. Well, yeah, except that is the gold that you get, is when you do have the actors that are so funny live like that and just go off script. That's always the best stuff. I was on a steering group for sure that was that was there to just sort of rebalance things, I guess, and let people that are talented that may not have the obvious opportunities just kind of be assessed in a more fair way. Yeah, you heard from Ashley Medekwe, who's nominated uh, as Supporting Actress in County Lines. You heard from Kingsley Benadir, who's a Rising Star nominee. From director Sarah Gavron and writer Teresa Ikoko, nominated for Rocks in eight categories. There's Neve Algar, who's also up for Supporting Actress for Calm With Horses. You heard from Morfid Clark, who plays Maud in St Maud and is up for a Rising Star herself. There was Dana Murray, the producer of Pixar's animation nominee, Soul, from Kevin MacDonald, of course. And finally, from Noel Clark, recipient this year of the Outstanding Contribution to Cinema Award. That's a really admirable nod right there for Noel. Congratulations, Noel. So glad to have picked these guests and their standout work to have featured on Seen Any Good Films Lately. You can catch up with any of their interviews in full, of course, and hear what films they recommended and hear their film stories. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating or comment. It really helps more people find us and join in the Seen Any Good Film Lately conversations. Time for one more recommendation and is required viewing for the BAFTAs this weekend. And that's Baby Teeth, which is on Netflix. And it's an Australian coming of age teenage romance. I've been meaning to see it for ages. And its director, Shannon Murphy, is a surprise nominee for Best Director at the BAFTAs. And when you check out Baby Teeth, you can see why. It's a really fresh and original take on this genre. And Eliza Scanion plays Miller, who's suffering from cancer, yet falls madly in love with a boy from the wrong side of the tracks, a junkie called Moses, much older than her, played by Toby Wallace. Uh, and it's much to the wariness of her well-to-do but slightly bohemian parents, played by Ben Mendelsohn and Essie Davis. 
I can drop you at home after this, Moses. Oh, no. I, I don't want to put no, you out. No trouble. I can do it after I drop me at school. Hey, Moses, I don't know if you make a habit of this or not. That is, befriending girls that are significantly younger than yourself. But Miller's in a very vulnerable situation. Damn! Baby Teeth's got some beautiful moments, it's got nice music, excellent performances, and no little humour, considering it's a situation that's quite serious. It's a great-looking movie, stylishly put together and told with gentle heart and real feel for the characters. So, for Jason's three to see, I'm going to have to say Baby Teeth, playing on Netflix, Powell and Pressburger's I Know Where I'm Going, as recommended by Kevin MacDonald, and... Could it yet pull off the awards season's surprises? Minari, playing on Curzon Home Cinema or Altitude.film. Thanks to Kevin MacDonald, The Mauritanian is on Amazon Prime right now and we'll go out with a track from Baby Teeth. It's Mulrat and for real. See you next week after the BAFTAs. You didn't even want to die once this week. And when you're around I feel like